Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. You know when you meet those people and instantly you're like, oh yeah, we're going to be friends. Well, the connection with our guests this week was just that. Last month, Katie Barbaro stopped by to talk with us about her most significant journey so far, healing her relationship with food and her body. Her book, Fed Up, helps to stigmatize eating disorders, dismantle diet culture, and inspire readers to follow their own creative spark in whatever way feels most delicious to them. This conversation was a real treat, and if food or body image is a source of struggle in your life, we want to let you know that you're not alone. There are really great options out there, and we will always do our best to help. You can reach out to us at htcpod.com or email us at havetheconvo at gmail.com. After the episode, head over to htcpod.com to leave a heart, connect with Katie, and get all the information we discussed, including her book. Visit htcpod.com for it all. How's your sleep lately? As a trainer, the subject of sleep is often a main topic of discussion. Nobody sleeps perfectly every night, but I have to tell you, I've never slept better than I have since I've discovered the Chili Pad. Chili Pad is a mattress pad that uses cooling technology to keep your bed at exactly the temperature you want all night long. You can set it as low as 55 degrees, like my furnace of a fiance does, or take it all the way up to 95 if you have no problem staying cold on your own. Our bodies need a dark and cool atmosphere to get the most out of our sleep, and the Chili Pad has been one of my favorite sleep hacks to do just that. Go to ChiliPad.com to learn more about the ChiliPad and its upgrade, the Uller. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-A-D.com. They even offer a new Chili-weighted blanket to keep you calm and cool all night long. If you like what you see, use the code HAVETHECONVO for a special discount at checkout. That's all one word, HAVETHECONVO, for discounts off your new ChiliPad. Sleep tight! I know at mm-hmm. one point when we were reading your book, Leanne was like, oh my gosh, Katie's in my head. She can see it. And then with your drawings, I was like, I've been in this spot that you're drawing right now. So it was really, really special for us to read. So we're so thankful that you're here. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. That's so awesome. It's it's so exciting because I know we started talking about it before the book even came out and now it's like a physical thing. And it is a physical thing. <laughs> I'm upset. I I literally was telling Kala, it was like reading my brain. I also struggled with eating my for 15 plus years. And, and you don't know how long the time is right until you look back and you're healed and you're like, Oh my God, this held me prisoner for, you know, 15 years of my life. And it's funny because you think that you're different or your thoughts are unique. And this is a struggle that you have, but I've heard of obviously many thousands maybe millions of people having eating disorders, but reading the words that I said to myself on these pages was insane for me. So this Mm. book was amazing for me to read. (laughs) Just amazing. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. It's, that is, that is one of the things about recovery where you're like, oh, I didn't even realize this was the voice that was playing in my head on repeat. And then to realize you're not alone in that too. Like so many people have that voice implanted in their heads. And um, yeah, and I think that's why I wrote it because I was like, oh, I can't just recover from this and pretend like, oh, everything was fine. Yeah. 
is a teaching opportunity, right? For other people and just like a relatable, relatable thing, really. Totally. Like, like just, yeah. I don't even know if teaching is the right word because it's like just permission giving. I feel like if I could, if I could do one thing, it's just like, oh, there's room for me to be all of myself. And I'm not, you know, I'm not alone and I'm not weird. And yeah. (laughs) Well, we're all weird. I think, I think there's a little weirdness in our own ways. You know, that's what makes everyone themselves. Exactly. I do want to know um, what led you to getting this book out into the world. I felt pregnant with this book. I felt this book was <laughs> inside of my body. And I'm sure, you know, you're both in creative pursuits. You know, you're creating this podcast. So it was that gestation period of the story had been living inside of my body. And um, I just knew I had a book in me. I actually thought it was a different book that I was meant to write. Um, I thought I was going to write a book about when I took a solo journey around the world. And I do have questions about that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Yes, I am happy to have an answer to that. But I realized sitting down, I was like, oh, that journey of mine was only possible because of this journey. Like this was the precursor to being alive in my life in a new way. And so, yeah, I felt very much like, oh, I don't need, the story doesn't need to live inside of me anymore. It can live on a, in a book. And then I was talking to a good friend of mine who was like, it sounds like you need a book deal. And I was like, yeah, do you? That does. (laughs) Yeah, it does sound like I do. (laughs) And he, he gave me a book deal. Wow. That is so cool. So did you sit down and one fell swoop. Did you pick the project up, put it down? Did you like battle with yourself? Cause that's where I'm at with mine. That's like birthing inside of me. <laughs> so I'm so, it curious. is birthing. I'm so curious about your process. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Yeah. It, it seriously is like a birth, a birthing process. <laughs> um, so I made the real decision, like a real commitment, um, January of 2020 that I was like, I'm going to write this. I'm going to commit to doing it. And oh my God, I had so many stops and starts in that, you know, I was, I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and it's going to come out. And that's not how it looked for me. Um, (laughs) Same boat. (laughs) Yep. Sometimes. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, I had one day where I sat down and outlined the whole thing and then I was like, okay, but how do I, I, I needed to like take a break for a week, you know? And then uh, yeah, I, I just had this vision of like writing it cover to cover and it's not exactly how it happened. But then when lockdowns happened in March of 2020, I was living in New York and I found myself living completely alone. And I was like, okay, this book is my boyfriend. This book is my, like, I'm, sh- I'm going to wake up early show up every day. I actually joined something called cave day, which was amazing. I highly recommend it to anybody who works remotely or has a project that they want to really dedicate time to. It's, um, this, they, they made it virtual, but it also is an in-person thing they do in New York, um, where somebody moderates a room and the, the focus is on monotasking. So you're encouraged to like have one project or one task that you're working on and you go into the cave and which is like such a 
you know, the creative process is like all about going into the cave, yes. right? Where it's you and you. And yeah, and and there's these sprints that you do um, where you're encouraged to just have that one project active. And um, that really helped me a lot, like to stay focused, to stay accountable. You know, you'd have like breakout meeting, breakout rooms with like some of the people in the meeting and be like, okay, what are you working on today? You know? So I was like talking about it and doing it and that accountability really helped. Yeah. Constant inspiration, that funnel. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was so great. I I feel like if I had tried to do this alone, I would still be working on it. Like if it weren't for my publisher who was like, I believe in you and I'm going to give you a deadline and here's this. And you know, I was like, okay, I needed that deadline. Like I really work well with limits and yeah. And then those meetings and just like waking up every day and making that my, my thing that I was really committed to. Have you always been a committed person or was this like new skills that you were developing as you were working on this? I would say it's a great question. Um, I am really committed to certain things. I tend to be more committed when it involves other people's expectations. So actually writing this book for me, like no one, it's other than my publisher who is like, I'll give you a book deal, but you have to have it done at this time. Um, I like, no one was asking me to do this. It wasn't like, have this report on my desk by Monday. Like the world didn't really ask me for this, but I was like, I need to create it got to get it out. You get, you have to get it out. Yeah. Got to push that baby out. Yep. And so I was like, uh, yeah. So this is one of the first things that I like really followed through and committed to for myself. I've been very reliable when it comes to like pro- doing projects for other people or, yeah. you know, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah, I, I can too. That's, that's really cool. I'm curious about your own process, Kala. Like what is the, are you writing a book or is it something I, else? You're um, it's more essays and stories, kind of like observations. Um, I've always wanted to write. I'm forever the person that is doing the work, but never putting it out there. Oh yeah. So I'm in that process, but it, I'm actively working on it, but it just doesn't come as fast as I would like. I, I too have the vision of sitting down and going, you know, cover to cover and, and having it done. But um you know, life happens, <laughs> but I am actively going for it. I'm very curious to check out the things that you just mentioned too. I see illustrations in your book future as well. Like it's funny that you I talk about the- so much. Yeah. Yeah. She, Cause she's a little doodler. She, <laughs> she writes notes for her kids' lunches every day and they've always got little doodles in them. So I see it. I see it happening. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Yes. <laughs> do it. It's like, I, the way that I felt about it, I was like, okay, I actually, I knew that I needed to have fun in the process of writing it because like, that's the energy that gets transmitted when someone reads the book. Like if I'm having fun telling my story, I'm like, okay, it really did feel like I was having a sleepover with myself for most of the time that I was, I felt like that reading it. I feel like I know you to be weird, but I'm like, we had lots of sleepovers already. (laughs) Best review I could possibly get. Yeah. That's like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you, you picked up what I was putting down. I was like, this is yep. just, yeah. Like, uh, that feeling of, of like, oh yeah. Like I'm just in my, in my, uh, you know, hanging out with my inner child and yeah. like letting myself actually have fun is what makes it a fun thing to read. Or if I'm really stressed out when I'm writing it, it might feel like, 
oh, wow, she worked really hard on this, but not like <laughs> enjoyable or relatable or yeah, you, you have to have that balance, I think, with something so heavy. You know what I mean? Like you need the light to be able to, to really go deep on a very personal subject. I know Leanne, you can speak to that. You said, well, and I think that it being in your handwriting and it having all these illustrations and metaphors, the metaphors were my, even on the front cover that her in that prison and all those sentences that you lock yourself up with about, you know, why you're not worthy enough or why you shouldn't eat at this place. Like it literally has you in chains just from the, from seeing the cover, I knew I would like it, but I think all of those metaphors and all of the, the, your little doodles and everything, they, they do, they add light to something that is so dark and has taken a lot of people down. I mean, I have clients that they don't necessarily have, I wouldn't say full-blown eating disorders, but disordered thinking. And it just comes out in things that they say, you know, and I used to never notice those things, but in healing, you, you know, you pick up on the red flags and like, Ooh, no, like you shouldn't be talking to yourself that way. You shouldn't be limiting yourself in these ways. And it is like a very dark place that people can find themselves in. And that's why this book was just, it was just so wonderful. But I, I want to know, because we talked about you being a committed person. You were clearly committed to dieting for a very long time. And I think that's kind of maybe the beauty of going through something like that is you know you can focus on something and stay committed, even if it is in an unhealthy way. But for our listeners, will you kind of just talk about how your disordered eating came to be and what brought you to a place where you knew you needed healing? Yes, that's such a good point. I was super committed to dieting. And it's so interesting. Like you're saying, we don't even realize what it is that we're committed to sometimes or what are what thoughts are running our lives. And so um yeah, like for a long time I I just had the belief that my body needed to be different in order for me to be successful, in order for me to be accepted. I mean, even just like to accept myself, you know, like I was just like, I'm going to love myself. Yeah. When I lose X number of pounds, five pounds in five more pounds in five more. I get it. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just the carrot that keeps dangling right in front of you, because as long as you're trying to fill that hole with a goal, with anything, anything outside of yourself, it's going to lead us down this path of unfulfillment, which is, you know, part of my journey has been like removing the judgment from the path that it's taken me to get here because this, I am so grateful. Honestly, I'm so grateful for all the years I spent dieting, all the years I spent with this eating disorder and all of that, because that was the path I personally needed to wake up from it. And, you know, I, for a long time, I got by, um, in a way that I was able to justify, right? Like the, I became addicted to dieting once I started losing weight. And I was like, oh, this is really effective. I'm so excited. Like, this is great. Um, But if it was actually effective, I would have been happy losing the weight that I had lost. I was like, okay, great. Now I can, you know, just maintain and live here and live a happy life. But I became addicted to that feeling of the praise that I got. And then it's like, oh, I lost all this weight and I wasn't getting as much reinforcement anymore. And I was like, okay, well, I must need to lose more or keep doing this. And, um, 
yeah, so it just kind of created this hamster wheel, but one that is very normalized in our culture. Like dieting is so normalized. I was like, well, this is what hot people must think, or this is what, you know, like, this is what it's like inside the brain of every attractive person. I know they must be calculating in calories in and out and how much they're, you know, how much they weigh this morning and whatever, you know, I just assumed that that's what it was like inside of the brain of happy people. And it's insane now that I think about it, but it's just, it was such an assumption that I didn't even question. And so what really woke me up and what really alerted me to like, okay, whoa, maybe some of the stuff that I've believed my entire life um, isn't true is when I developed bulimia. So it was like this very intense time of my life. I had just gone through a a really um, earth shattering breakup. um, And I you know, basically all of the pain I was feeling inside manifested in this eating disorder. And I'm grateful for that too, because it was the, I think I wrote this in the book that it was finally a flag red enough to get my attention, even though there were many red flags or pink flags along the way. Um, with some of my obsessive thinking, this was the first time that I actually admitted to myself, okay, maybe I need to start looking at, um, at this, even though it took a long time. It wasn't like it was an overnight thing, but it at least switched the way I was approaching to it in my mind. Kind of like a little alarm bell went off. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what was your first step after that alarm bell to seeking help? It took me a while to really, really prioritize getting help because I kept the alarm bell went off, but then I was like trying to fix it on my own for a long time. But I started to tell friends, I started to tell just a few people at a time, but still like at the beginning was very like, like, I'm kind of dealing with this, but don't worry. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about (laughs) dropping eggs. You know, if people want to pay attention and pick them up, I'm guilty. We all are. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 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 I'm like, don't worry. I just feel like I should tell you so that I feel like I'm being transparent. Everything's okay. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) Yes. Big (laughs) chat. Fine. Um, and I was like, I, was really not fine. I went to therapy even, and it just like, didn't work out for me. I felt like, um, at the time I was just like, Oh, I I think I wanted therapy to work faster. And like our first three sessions, like I made my therapist cry and I was just like, okay, (laughs) I'm too much for this, this person. You and I are going to be good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, I, maybe I, not for maybe you. I graduated therapy. Yeah. Yes. I beat therapy. That's going to be my new pin. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you a hat. Thank please you. give me a hat. Please print me a certificate. Yeah. yeah give me yeah. my copay back. I made you cry. Like what? Yeah, this is, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not how <laughs> this is supposed to work. Um, so yeah, but I mean, the real help came when I got surrendered enough to actually like, okay, I'm not going to keep lying to myself. There was like a still a layer of lying to myself mm. or like having it under control, I think was part of my, my disease or part of my eating disorder that 
mental obsession brain was like telling me, you know, that I needed to get it under control myself. And as soon as I surrendered, that was when I really started to enter recovery. And it was just the willingness to be seen in all of the insanity. I'm like, okay, I have nothing to hide. I started going to like anonymous groups and um, was really my willingness to be seen and not hide even the ugly parts or what I perceived to be the ugly parts of my experience. Um, that's when I really started to feel, feel recovery and feel what it meant to, yeah, just like live authentically. Mm -hmm. I found your book to be incredibly spiritual, incredibly spiritual. And Mm. and it mirrored a lot of, of my experience too. And I think that's where I really just like leaned into it because to be seen authentically like that is very difficult. And I know that you have experience with stand-up and in comedy and putting yourself out there and things like that. How, how is this different? Yeah, good question. It is different than comedy because in comedy, there's a, an expectation that there's going to be a laugh or a punchline. And this is like, and that's a bit of safety sort of like I kind of hid behind that laughter. And even though like there are funny things, like the book is funny, like in some ways, absolutely. but it's like the, um, there's also like, I knew that I needed to be willing to be, um, seen just honestly, like there's no, I think for a long time, I hid behind laughter. Like it, it felt safe to share my story. If there was also something funny about it, if I was kind of, um, there's like a sort of power that you can get from the, um, you know, if I'm able to joke about something, it does give me sort of power over it. And I, I believe that that's true, but there's a way of doing that without making light of the experience. So, um, yeah, it's just, there's a depth that kept kind of opening up and the experience of recovery for me was very spiritual, right? I had to surrender to a power greater than myself, whatever you want to call that. Um, and it's, it's, a it's amazing because connecting to that, which feels like what our true nature, like who we all are is the path that we're all on. And so even if someone hasn't had a struggle with food or their bodies, like there's something in all of our lives, if you're a human being, there's something convincing you that you're not that um, connected to that stream of infinite love and, you know, just purity that we're, that we're all connected to and that we all are on a certain level. So yeah, that's like what I feel most passionate about um, connecting with people on and helping them to uncover their own authentic connection to that. The authenticity is so important, right? You can't just like, it's everything. It's everything. Because even if other people don't catch on, you know yourself when you're being authentic and when you're not. And I think that's what's so powerful about the eating disorder mentality is it's a complete distraction from being or doing what you feel in your heart you should be doing or being the person that you know you should be striving to be every day like the best version of yourself there there was one drawing in your book and it was this big scale 
and you're saying my life is balanced and on one side of the scale I'm improvising but it was like you know dieting Monday through Friday and binging this and and doing all this and then on the other side it was like I ran five miles and you know I worked out and so it was like all and and it was yes it was balanced but you were it was all this distraction distraction and then exercising and and the eating disorder to make up for all this behavior and it was that was your your life and it is funny because you do think it's balanced you're like well I have to make up for this but there, there shouldn't be anything to make up for in the first place. And that's, I think when people aren't healed, that's the part that just doesn't connect. Totally. It's like you're operating. The balance is coming from your little eye, right? If we think about like our ego as being the little eye and then the big eye that we are is the, our infinite spirit and like the truth of ourselves, our authenticity, our connection to the universe. Right. And that is the big eye balance is balance is presence, right? Balance is being here. And, but the little eye is like, oh, I know how to be present. I'm going to, if I run five miles and then I have a protein shake. And then after that, I follow that up with like five almonds, but I, you know, and then I talk to this person, whatever, like it's this insanity that is like mimicking balance or mimicking presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's been the hardest part too. We, we had a um, intuitive eating coach on a few weeks back and she talked about how one of the hardest parts for people is when they do decide, I want to let go of this control and the mimicking balance, like you said, what do I do with my thoughts and my time? Cause it, it consumes so much of it. Like, how did you deal with that part when you decided to let go and then all of this room opened up. Like, what did, what did you do with it? Is that where the book came? <laughs> that's part. Yeah. That's totally part of it. That's a, a great question. Yeah. But I mean, I, I had many, many days and nights where I was just beside myself. Like, what do I do? Like I have, <laughs> I have the night to myself. I'm not going to binge on cookie dough right now. Like I'm not going to, you know, and I also, I, uh, I stopped drinking at the same time and it kind of had a similar, um, like a similar pull as my, my disordered eating behaviors had. Um, and so there was this really significant emptiness there and yeah, I mean, first, a lot of it was just feeling everything that came up, right. Everything that came up in that void, like needed to be felt and just held. And it didn't need to have meaning attached to it or, you know, it didn't need to take me down with it, but there was significant pain that I had been unwilling to feel. Um, and that I was numbing with all of these distractions. And so that was a big part of it. And then another part was just like, getting curious about who I actually am. Like, okay, if I'm not obsessed with, with dieting and being quote unquote fit and all of this stuff that has been hijacking my brain, what do I actually like? You know, I was like, I started watching Netflix sometimes, you know, I was like, okay, what, what, <laughs> like, a, who are you? <laughs> I, I was just like, 
like, okay, wait. I, and I was so also another thing is like, I would only watch TV when I was like with a partner or with a boyfriend. And, you know, I was like, oh, what do I want to watch? Like, this was right. revolutionary for me. I was like, <laughs> what do I actually like? And it's true. Like drawing really helped me with this. Cause I was like, okay, this is like the silliest thing ever. I am like a 27 year old woman and I don't know what I like. I'm like, what are my, what are my favorite colors? What, what do I like to, you know, um, watch on TV? What do I like to eat? What are my favorite things to, you know, if I'm not eating for the balancing of my macronutrients, like what do I want? And yeah. Yeah, I worked with a life coach at this time as well, which was really, really helpful. And she encouraged me to just pay attention to like when I felt like myself, like when I felt expansive, you know. Um, and that was, you know, that was when I started drawing more. Like I started drawing during an Inktober challenge three or I guess like four years ago at this point. Um, and it was just something that caught my attention and that piqued my curiosity and follow following that following my curiosity was what led me to um, start journaling in that way and expressing myself like that and I found that like getting all those nuanced feelings like all those feelings that came up like needed a way of being expressed and and drawing them was really really helpful for me yeah I can relate to that <laughs> I um I did this, the same thing. Like, it's funny when you tell yourself for so long, certain foods are off limits and certain foods are good because they fit, like you said, in your macros or they're low calorie or, you know, no sugar added or, or not no sugar, but like no sugar, they're keto, whatever. I was like chewing gum all the time thinking that I liked chewing gum, <laughs> but it, I realized after like years later, I, I was only chewing gum because it kept my mouth busy. So I wouldn't be eating. Totally. I was getting like, I have TMJ problems. I was getting issues from this because I was chronically chewing gum. And I, I realized at one point I was like, do I even, I don't even really like gum. Like I'm just doing it. Cause it's keeping me on good behavior. You know what I mean? I was eating halo top ice cream all the time. It's shit ice cream. It was just good because it was low calorie. And it's amazing. It's amazing when you, when you actually yes. sit and ask yourself, okay, apart from these rules, what do I like? And then you try certain things and, and you don't judge yourself. And then it was so eye-opening because I never really made this connection that, that you just talked about here. And in your book, you had a whole chapter on curiosity, figuring out yourself because it doesn't stop at food. It's you've spent so much time and brain energy on this eating disorder thinking that you you maybe don't know that you like to draw or you don't know what books you want to read. And so relearning yourself and that self-discovery, it's like such a beautiful and, and healing thing. And to read the chapter in hindsight, going through it sucks. Yeah, going through it sucks. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. Because you're just like, wait a second. Did I, like, I don't like this either. <laughs> it can suck or it can be fun. Right. You like decide you're like, but exactly like what you're, you're saying, like choosing to, you know, just go there, go enter the void. It's like, it's scary first. Cause it's a literal void. You're like, okay, 
if I admit that I don't know who I am, what the heck is going to happen? Like, am I a serial killer? I don't know. You know, it's like, what am I? <laughs> and that's, that's a whole nother book. <laughs> that's a whole nother book. Yes. The next book is, am I a serial killer? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's spelled like serial, like the ones that you like. You know, there you like, go. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> you could draw the heck of a cover for that one. <laughs> Totally. I am a serial killer. I love cereal, even though I didn't let myself eat it for a long time. Um, yeah, it's, it is this, um, really, it is, it has been such a gateway for like freedom in other areas of my life. Right. It's not all about food, but it also is about food. Like sometimes people try to compartmentalize the, like, well, I'm very rigid and controlled when it comes to my eating, but in every other area of my life, I'm very free and expressive and whatever spirit. I'm such a free spirit. And it's like, but then why do you like, why are are you like heating up boiled chicken and, and broccoli? That stresses me out so much. Just hearing that. that I'm a free spirit. No, no, you're not. Yes, I know. I know. I joked with Cal. I thought I was spontaneous for the longest time. And then I realized like, I am actually like engaged to someone who really is spontaneous and he'll like bring up plans that were not plans. And I'd be like, but I wasn't, I wasn't planning for this. Like I, I wasn't prepared and I'll be like a little brat about it and I'll still go do it thinking like, Oh, look how spontaneous I am. But the whole time I have anxiety. Exactly. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. Oh. There is a really, um, there's a beautiful part of your book where you have kind of healed through the eating portion and you're working more on the exercise part of your mentality. And you got on the scale and you told yourself if this was a specific number, then you would go for a run as basically a punishment, right? And then, um, but if it was not, then you would treat yourself and then probably, probably still go for a run. But then there was the other, on the other part of the page, it was your body kind of talking to you like, well, what will make me feel good? I want to hear about your mentality and changing your workouts from a disciplinary thing to a nourishing your body type of mentality. Yeah, this was a big one for me. Like I, I felt like I was recovered and then I was like, oh God, there's a whole new layer of things when it comes to exercise and all the ways that I was getting this validation from my daily yoga practice or my daily runs or whatever it was. And one of the tenets of intuitive eating or the principles of intuitive eating is engaging in joyful movement. And um really tuning into your body about what that means and just getting to the place where I even knew what that, what that meant was like a journey (laughs) where it was just like, but I think I want to run. Like, I feel, I'm going to feel bad if I don't run. It's like, Oh, I'm going to feel bad if I don't. It's like this. I was like, Oh, I'm addicted to running. Okay. Yeah. It's a new layer. (laughs) Yeah. It's a new layer. Mm-hmm. Do people even work out because they actually want to? Like, who does that? Like, who are, you guys are addicted to your own endorphins. Um, <laughs> endorphins. No. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very, it's so individual, right? And it's, it's moment to moment too, right? It's like being Definitely. honest with ourselves when we're making each decision that we're making, whether it's about what we're eating or what we're, how we're exercising or just how we're spending our time, right? Like what's, underlying what's the underlying motivation here and I think in the part that you're talking about in the book 
I could feel, I was like, okay, whoa, I feel this insane compulsion to weigh myself and then make a decision based on that number. And if that's the underlying motivation, if changing that number or celebrating that number, or if that's the thing that's giving me permission to move through my day in a certain way, like that's not who I want to govern my life. And how do I, hmm, yeah, just, just bringing awareness there is a big step. It really is like, and scary, a scary step. Yeah. And like sitting with myself instead of moving and running or just instead of just sitting with that discomfort that comes up in the, in the window of like, I want to weigh myself or in that window of, I want to go for a run and knowing it's a compulsion and just pausing there. Like we bring more safety into our bodies, the more we can pause in those moments of discomfort and really be with whatever is underlying the compulsion. And, you know, I had a sponsor once who told me to, if I wanted to binge or if I wanted to like eat something compulsively, right? Like, you know, know, if you're hungry and you eat something, that's, that's fine. But like, I can tell when I'm doing something out of like, I'm going to just get a handful of this stuff, you know, just to (laughs) bury it, bury it. And it's like, it never happened. It always comes back up. So she would tell me just set a timer for five minutes, maybe 10 minutes and just be with whatever you're feeling. And at the end of that, you can go ahead and have whatever you thought you needed. Whatever you need is fine. Like you can choose again at the end when the timer goes off. This isn't about you telling yourself you can't have the thing, but it's figuring out what's underlying the need for the thing. And so the same thing can be done with wanting to run, wanting to exercise. Um, Wherever there's that, like, I need to, I have to, if I don't, something bad's going to happen, like that kind of urgency, that's where pausing is going to just bring lightness into an area of our body where there's tension, where there's a feeling of unworthiness, a feeling of, you know, not being enough somehow. And so my journey to discovering my own, like what I like was kind of fun. I discovered ecstatic dance. I don't know if you've ever done that. What is that? Tell me everything. (laughs) I literally wrote down ecstatic dance, question mark, question mark. That's amazing. Yeah. Please do tell. (laughs) I will. I would love to. Um, It's this amazing. I was living in New York at the time that I started, but there's, it's a global community of people who get together. It's like a conscious dance party. So there's no there's no drugs or alcohol there. Um, and there's no phones allowed on the dance floor. And there's a DJ who just plays a, a set that just guides the energy and everyone's encouraged to move their bodies. However they feel that gives me so much. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm like reading your face. I'm just like, I would pay big money to see Leanne in this situation. Putting my hood on. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Where I leave. You're like, give me a Zumba class and I'm fine, but tell me to just move. Right. Yeah. What was your first, like, did you know what you were showing up to? Did you know, like, I want to hear about your first experience. Sure. Okay. Well, I posted on Facebook. I was like, Hey, does anyone ever want to just like get together and rent a big room and dance to music? (laughs) And then someone posted, your account got flagged that day. (laughs) 
Right. Oh my God. She's out to get people. (laughs) Yeah. What is she trying to do? Um, what are my friends posted? This already exists. It's called ecstatic dance. And I was like, Oh, they're like, damn. Okay. I thought I was really onto something there, but okay. I won't trademark it now. That's fine. Yeah. I was like, I guess I didn't really have a good name for it. Ecstatic dance sounds really fun. Um, and so, yeah, I showed up. I'm, I was so grateful that I went by myself. It was one of those things. If I had brought a friend to it, I would have been so codependent about like, oh God, are you having a good time? Is this weird for you? You know, (laughs) I would be like that with myself. Yeah. Well, that's, am I okay? Yeah. Well, that's like the beauty of it, right? There's this anonymity about just being in this room of strangers. Um, and you're, you know, it was like this amazing microcosm to just notice everything that was coming up for me. And this has happened. Like I've been to dozens, maybe hundreds of ecstatic dance things at this point. Well, I don't know. I've been to a lot, Um, but it's been a lot of times. And actually part of my solo journey was like, I did, I volunteered at ecstatic dance festivals in Thailand and Bali. And like, it's this cool community. It's such a cool community. It's so powerful, right? Because it allows you to just experience life like without notice the stories that you're putting onto things. Like even if it's just like, oh, that guy's really sexy. I want to dance with him. Like, what is what is going on? Like, why am I, you know, like whatever the internal monologue is, it's like, oh, what is like keeping me from like just being with myself right now? You know? And then it's this awesome, like, yeah it's not always, you kind of just like find what authentically is moving you. And sometimes it's like really slow and sometimes it's whatever. And you kind of notice like, Oh, I'm really self-conscious right now. It's like, great, cool. Well, a lot of people are, it's like, Oh, I'm really like feeling myself right now, you know? And then you just, you, you just like let yourself be the instrument that you are, you know, like we're all kind of part of this amoeba of, of dancing and, or, or being still, you know, you can just like, some people just like lie down on the floor and handstands. Like there's you, Cal. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Cal will be on the floor taking a nap. Oh my gosh. I want to go to ecstatic dance with both of you. It'll be so um, <laughs> We would not be very fun. I would be shaking in the corner. Cal would be just trying to remove. I would just be laying there trying to like teleport somewhere else. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so funny. Yeah. I think I, we have to try it at some point now. Oh God, don't put that on me, Cal. Don't do that uh, to me. I think it would be amazing. <laughs> I'm not ready. I gotta, I gotta stop running first. <laughs> I gotta get past that part and then, then move on to the ecstatic dance. So was it hard? Though? Do you notice like, cause I feel like when you're very judgmental of yourself, you can also tend to be judgmental of other people as well with not even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Where, did you just walk in and just let all of that go? Or I'd be like, whoa, like whoa, what's going on over over there? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, I think it's like such a pure intention of like what's being created there that even if I'm judgmental, I don't actually take it seriously or, you know, it's just like, oh, if I'm judging that person being them, I mean, it's just like so clear that it's a mirror for myself, right? Like I'm, I'm like, oh, I just don't let myself be that kind of weirdo or like, I don't totally. And it's a great, it's a great way to practice boundaries too. Cause you can, you can kind of like dance with people if you make eye contact and you just like move towards them. And it's like, you can feel. (laughs) (laughs) 
just like you know you throw a little are we doing it are we doing it right now are we dancing katie what did you bring to htc today (laughs) are you feeling the ecstasy in your body Um, i've got goosebumps yeah amazing This is our first podcast dance party. Just letting you know. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, I'm here for it. Um, I yeah, exactly. You're just like you get to, and, but so if you if someone's like approaching you and you're like, I don't want to dance with this person, you just do a little prayer hands and you just you're like, thank you, but no thank you, and that's it. That's like like universal language for fuck off. I'm good. trying that with my kids after school immediately. You're like. Thank you, but no, I'm in my own bubble. I appreciate you. Do not approach. <laughs> I mean, if I take anything from today, it's going to be that. <laughs> Alice's prayer hands are just this. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No, no make no. your own afternoon snack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It is. Talk about some more of the boundaries that you've had to create, not only just for yourself, but like with others through this whole process. Cause it is a true transformation of self. Like I'm sure a lot of the people that you have in your life now don't know the new Katie. Is that safe to. Yeah. Or don't know the old Katie. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, they all pretty much know me now, but (laughs) yeah, it's, um, yes, a lot of, it's still a learning process, honestly, of what boundary, what creating boundaries really means. And like, just being able to tune into what feels good for me to like, Oh, being around this person, I feel a bit of like my people pleasing tendencies are coming up, you know, or, um, I feel, you know, like there's this, uh, like at the time I had a, a writing partner that I was working with, like when I really started my recovery work and, it became very apparent that this person didn't respect my boundaries when I would tell, you know, about like just a variety of things. And I ended up cutting off the relationship, which was really challenging for me, right? Like triggered all of my fears of like disappointing people and feeling unsafe because of, oh, this person's not going to like me anymore and all of this stuff. And I had to be very firm about it. And years later, like it's been three years since that happened at least. And he sent me a message and was like, thank you for doing that. Like you did the right thing. And I was, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that doesn't always happen. Like if ever anybody listening, it doesn't happen for, you have to get, you have to like, let go of that outcome being a possibility um, for it to actually be like that. But that was just like, yeah, it just made me realize how powerful it is when we really stand in our truth and it is actually very loving, even though there's a voice in my head that says, oh no, you're going to hurt somebody. The truth is if being honest and being rooted in, of course, in nonviolence, you know, rooted in, rooted in compassion, but having first compassion for ourselves and our experience and letting us, letting ourselves really be here and, and have the needs and wants and desires and preferences that we have. So it's been an an ever evolving process. There was a part of your book that like really res. Well, the whole, I I can't say it enough. The whole book resonated. I'm just, just I'm like beating a dead horse, but there was one part where you said, you know, you couldn't really relate to the love your body message, but you could relate to the respect your body message. And 
that kind of helped kind of propel you into a, a healthier direction. How long did it take you or, or have you gotten to a place where you can say like, I, I do, I love my body, no matter what shape, size, season I'm in. Mm. I don't even know how to answer that in like length of time. It's like a date. It's like a moment to moment commitment to it. Right. Because the, the, I feel like our natural state is, is love, right. In general. So if there's, if I catch myself feeling self-critical about really anything, but off, but part of my body or something like that, it's like, Whoa, okay. Thank you. Like responding to that in a like, Oh, thank you. This is showing me where I'm not letting like love in. And so having that orientation has helped me a lot, but it's, it's like a, I don't know how to describe it exactly other than it's just so obvious to me that my body, I feel like is so grateful for my body. Like when you, when I really connect with the big eye that I am, I'm like, Oh my gosh, my spirit could only be here through this body, <laughs> like through, like, this is just such a gift. And I don't want to take it for granted. And if I do, it's also just a natural thing, but it's, it's a, it's such obvious confusion because this is like my access to planet earth comes through this body. And so if I ever do get into a rut of like taking it for granted or not really appreciating it for what it is. I don't know how to, okay. Like I, like I want to, <laughs> I think I see, I think I see what you're saying. So, so like you would say like, if you are standing in the mirror and judging yourself and not really liking what you see in the moment, is that more of like, I guess that would be more of like a shallow, ungrateful, like less grateful wavelength that you're you're thinking on and you try to get back to like I have two legs and I have two arms and I have a brain and I can speak like are you talking about that kind of yeah it's kind yeah exactly it's kind of like if I'm if I'm telling myself oh I wish my body was different it's it is at this like lower frequency which is lower isn't necessarily bad it's just like oh whoa I'm down here (laughs) right now and then that part of me needs love too. It's not like snap out of it. You shouldn't be doing this. It's just like, okay, let me experience the part of myself that thinks that I need to have like a flat stomach and thighs that don't rub together, you know? And then being with that, just like the pause that happens with like the compulsion to run or eat a handful of trail mix without thinking about it and all that stuff, you know, not that that's, those are bad things, right? Those aren't, this is all neutral. It's like neutralizing, treating myself and having the outlook of equanimity when I'm doing this, right? So like, it's so easy to get into a spiral of judging myself and then judging myself for judging myself and then judging myself for that and that and that. I'm like, oh God, (laughs) runaway train, right? So as soon as at whatever stage of that cycle, I can come back, come back, right? and be there and pause with myself and like, not pressure myself into changing anything or having a different thought, just being there with myself. That's where the love comes from. That's how it like authentically arises from presence. It's just presence. Um, 
And it sounds so simple. It does. But like when you're in the throes of it, it's totally not. It's totally not. Exactly. Well, that's, and that's the, the trick of being in that, that like spiral of judgment or that spiral of confusion. It feels like, okay, well, I have to fix this and this and this and this and this to get out of it because that's how you got into it was like nitpicking, but really bringing in stillness, presence, breath, like breathing, (laughs) touching, bringing yourself into the body and like just being there in the discomfort without trying to escape from it. It's like, who knows where you're going to (laughs) get? It's not about getting anywhere. It's about arriving here in, in that moment, in this moment, in this experience. And yeah, it's, um, you know, I'll even just like, like just touching my body. Like sometimes I'll feel like repulsed by touching a certain thing or like, I'll just like get triggered by like, oh my God, I feel my stomach rolls coming out of my jeans. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, I'm doing it right now. I can feel it. I'm like, you know, I have this, like, I have this, I have this like, okay, I got to pull my jeans up so that like my stump, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, tuck it in. Tuck it in. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. We have such a, <laughs> our generation, our, our world is so traumatized. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And it's just like, okay, wait, like, let me just like, I'm just like feeling my stomach. I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. This is like, this is my body, yeah. <laughs> you know? And like bringing a little bit more into this. That stillness is so important, but it's a scary place sometimes. But I think the the more that you can sit and just breathe and connect with yourself, like we're so resilient, <laughs> you know, like we, we get through the next, the next hard thing nearly every day. Right. Like I love human beings for that reason. Yeah. And we have each other too. Like I love this is like one of the ways that I love to hold space for people, right? Like any healing that occurs in any person is their own self-healing, but we do have the ability to hold a certain level of presence with them that allows their own self-healing abilities to come online and their own presence to come in and drop down deeper into those places that don't feel safe. Do you have like a specific chapter or part of your healing? Maybe they're the same or, or different that, that was the most difficult for you to get through. Hmm. I would say, hmm. Going through the recovery process that I did with working, working the steps, going through, I, worked in over eaters anonymous. And that was just like this blissful. Oh my God, this is what recovery is. This is amazing. This is who I really am. Truth. I'm like, I can be speaking my truth and all this stuff. And then from there, I entered into intuitive eating, which was like entering the void of like, wait, part of my recovery, the solidity, like, you know, the everything that I discovered there was true and real and amazing. And then diving into the unknown when it came to like letting myself eat 
all foods, letting go of how my body would change possibly when I like stopped weighing and measuring uh, my meals, which was like a part of my, a necessary and helpful part of my recovery um, at a certain point was like, you know, I had a lot of um, healing that came from just like eating enough food and you know, having that monitored by a, a dietitian, but then going from that to intuitive eating felt like I just was like jumping out of a plane. And That's I, terrifying. Yeah. Cause there, cause there's still the control when a dietitian is preparing or, you know, telling you what to eat and stuff, but then the intuitive eating is all about taking the control away. Right. I haven't read the book, but that's next on the list. Amazing. Yes, it is. It's like about, um, well, it's about letting yourself restore your own intuitive connection to your body and your hunger and fullness cues, which I'd been really cut off from, from a lot for a long time. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And then it, it just, it stripped away so many layers and like gave me so much more to look at in myself. And it was just like, you know, it went way beyond food, but it was also based in food. Like food was the pathway to this. And then I've just had so many moments on my journey since then where I've felt like there's such a temptation of my ego to say, I am fully recovered. And like, look at me, there's a you know, finished product with a shiny bow on top and, you know, having like, here's a book about my recovery. It's like, there is this temptation to be like, well, done with that. But like also having the humility and just like the, like recognizing the truth of like when I'm back in a cycle. Like, I think I talked about this in the book while I was writing the book, I was, you know, this was like the beginning of a pandemic and I was super getting super controlling and like, scarcity mentality around food, like really having struggles, kind of like living by myself for one of the first times in my life. And, you know, it was, and then I was having this imposter syndrome of like, wait, does that mean that everything I've been through is like null and void? And it's like, no, there's just another layer. Like we're, we're constantly sloughing off layers and layers. And as soon as we're willing to just admit that what we're going through is not us, you know, or is, you know, discordant with what feels true. It's like so much easier to let go of it. But as soon as, as long as we're trying to like, pretend like everything's perfect and that everything is, I'm fully healed and recovered and all this, like, it's just, that's just my ego attaching to some, to some idea who I am. So I like to call that the trauma onion. It causes lots of tears, but eventually we get down and we just, you know, can can make something really nice out of it. (laughs) And I think you definitely did that. (laughs) We get down, we just make a caramelized onion frittata, one of my things. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there you go. And all is good. And you can eat it and feel comfortable and happy and you don't have to think about it because it's something that you like. I know you said that when you were writing the book, it was like, you know, you had to birth this baby, you had to get it out. But um, in the time that you were writing this and, and drawing the pictures, who did you hope would pick up this book? Oh, I think on some level, it was like, you know, a love letter to my past self and my, and my inner child. <laughs> so like the, mm, yeah, like 
it was easy to get carried away thinking about like, who's going to, is Oprah going to read this? Is <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Gonna, you know, all of the <laughs> questions. And it's like, I don't need to, I'm not writing this for Oprah. I'm writing this for the person who feels alone. Like they have to do this all by themselves. Um, the person who, who's afraid to admit these thoughts to themselves that I've had so many times. Um, yeah, I was really writing it for me, first and foremost, like I knew it had to be for me. Otherwise it wouldn't be for anyone. When it come out the way that it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just had to trust that it would be for whoever, whoever needed it, <laughs> whoever wanted it. Well, you found two readers that needed it. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely for me. And I know family members and I know clients that I'm definitely going to recommend this to just because it's so great in the way that you, I don't know if your healing actually happened in the way that you wrote the book, but it's such a good story from start to like step one, this is what I did. And then you kind of build off of it and how it changed you and freed you. And I, it's beautiful. I know so many people. Yeah. Who could benefit from this mm. book. So thank you. Thank you. so Yeah. Much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I do have one more question. Oh, yeah. I'm not done yet. I still got a lot. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> We're not letting you go uh, yet, Katie. <laughs> yeah. You guys are the best. Um, <laughs> want to know about your your year solo traveling what you learned and all of it oh yes that'll that'll really be the the sequel <laughs> the next book <laughs> um yes I did oh my gosh this came like right when I was starting to work with a life coach and she helped me identify what my values were and I really took, I mean, you know, it was just like a, like a casual assignment, but I went hard on this. Like, okay, wait, <laughs> I like made this intense spreadsheet of like all She's committed y'all. <laughs> I am committed. Yeah. I'm a two-time valedictorian and <laughs> <There you go. laughs> now I use my powers for good. So I just like made this intense spreadsheet of like all the activities that I had done, that I was involved in at the time I was like doing stand up and, you know, and some o- occupational therapy. I'm also an occupational therapist. Amazing. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was little. That is so awesome. It's so rare that someone knows what it is at a young My age. uncle was a quadriplegic. So I watched that from like the time his accident was when I was in kindergarten. And so I got to see that on all the people pour into his life and make it so great. And I always thought, wow, those people are special. <laughs> that is so awesome. Well, you have OT vibes. It's <laughs> <You're>... Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you do a great OT. Um... <laughs> Yeah. And I like, I guess I looked into like, okay, what would be the most fun thing for me to do? Like, basically I went from being an OT for other people to being an OT for myself. Like what is, what are the things that make my life meaningful? What would make my life feel adventurous? And felt like, how could I honor my values? And yeah, I just came up with this solo travel adventure. Um, also inspired by one of my best friends who did a lot of solo travel herself. And that was like, oh, okay, that's possible. It's like, it's possible to live a life like that. And yeah. Oh my God. I can't even. Where's the first place you went? I went to Iceland first. Um, it was amazing. Yes. And so you did traveling occupational therapy. No, I, I did not. I, I was, I saved up a lot of money and I, I was like, decided to be my own benefactor. It was my own sugar daddy. You know, I love yeah, it. Amazing. And I did, I did travel pretty frugally. Like I, I 
did a lot of volunteering. Um, I lived with a family in Iceland where I cleaned their house. I worked for them like five hours a day and got room and board and um, became really, really close with them. It was, you know, one of the biggest things that unfolded for me was like just witnessing how I impact other people and, um, and vice versa. But like, you know, the, the through line through my whole journey was kind of this, like, oh, I can help people feel more permission to be their creative selves. Right. Like I living with this family in Iceland, like Magnus, the the dad was like, we talked a lot about, well, we talked a lot about how scary the world is. Um, but also he has like such an interesting perspective about like power and whatever, all this stuff. And he started writing a book and I was like, that's amazing. Cause I was like, oh, wow. You have a lot of this energy pent up. Like, <laughs> yeah, get that out. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Like that's what all of our, that's what all of our stuff is, right? All of this, like the stuff that's stuck inside of us is creativity that wants to be expressed. And yeah. So to me, that is so obvious when I meet somebody, like how amazingly creative they are and how much creative potential there is. And so it feels exciting to be able to help that part of people come online, you know? And like I said before, it's not about me. I'm not like going out healing people. I'm there making space for who they really are to come forward. And it's like, yeah, very fun. Beautiful. It is. It's that authentic work you were chasing. I mean, it doesn't get more real and true than that. That's pretty awesome. Mm. Is that the, the biggest thing you learned about yourself was that you help give people the power to feel their own creativity while you were doing this travel? That is like one of, one of the things I, I also, one of my intentions in this journey was like to feel at home in myself and in my body, in my, like to feel at home wherever I was. And yeah, I remember I was in Amsterdam at the end of my journey. I'd been to like, I was, I went back to Amsterdam. Actually, I met my boyfriend in, in, I mean, we met for the first time in Bali and then we decided to move to the Netherlands together, um, for a month or so. And, um, yeah, we were out to dinner with like these new friends, friends of his that whatever, it was just a new group of people. And one of them went, had us go around and just say what we were grateful for. And in that moment, I realized I was like, oh my God, I feel safe and home. And like, I'm in this like new place with new people and new, and I'm like, and I know that I'm okay. Like I have this, like, hmm, like this like settled feeling in my body. Yeah. Wow. Of knowing I can be anywhere and I'm at home. That was at the end of of your journey? It was at the end that that really like lit up inside of me as like, oh, wow, it has happened. You know, like I hadn't reflected on that piece, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it came in, it came in small increments, right. It came in small, it came in, um, like my whole journey was just putting myself in kind of uncomfortable situations and finding my way through it and finding the comfort and my, myself, like losing myself and finding myself again over and over and over until it was like, I don't need to do that anymore. Like there's no losing myself necessary. I'm here. Wow. I love that. It's so good. (laughs) 
Have you been able to maintain that since you've come back and you're not traveling, you're, you're in one place? Have you maintained that sense of peace? Yeah. I mean, and I haven't really been in one place, but I have. <laughs> yeah. It feels like something I continue to do on just deeper and deeper levels, right? Like it's like, even maybe in my relationship right now, we're like, whatever ways that we kind of trigger each other, it's like, okay, wait, this is, a, this actually is a safe, loving container. And I'm like being asked to go deeper into that part of myself that feels awesome. unlovable. Yeah. It's, um, that's kind of support is just unparalleled. That's awesome. I love that you have that. <laughs> Also, nothing like a relationship to have the huge. Oh, just, just trigger the right shit in. out of you always. I'm right? like, can we just take a break? Like, can we not? <laughs> no, just. I feel yeah. that. <laughs> I'll do Netflix in this room. You right, can stay right. over here. <laughs> can we just have a week where you eat popcorn and like don't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it down don't a little talk. bit. Bring it back down. Yeah, exactly. So, how was it walking into your your book launch party? And I see that you're doing them on online now too. You have a few digital ones, but that first one or your book release, talk to me about that night or that event. How was that for you? Oh, it was so, it was really wonderful. I actually did it, um, at Kiln, which is the place I work for them. And they hosted this amazing book launch party for me, which was awesome. And I'm relatively new to, I'm living in park city right now. And I've only been here for four months. And so man, it just feels so, I felt surrounded by so much support. Like I have, I'm doing a yoga teacher training right now. And there were just a a ton of people from there coming to support. Um, and like some members of the co-working space, some friends from outside, like it was so cool to just, I think there was somebody that I met that day that came to it. And it was like, and he bought four books. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, it just like really reminded me of how much I love, I love speaking to a group of people. And it's like, I haven't done stand-up for a couple of years formally. Um, and so that feeling of like being in front of people and performing, even though it's like, it's not performing as in I'm being authentic it's just like being presenting myself yeah it just like really clicked into place of like oh this is a message I feel really passionate about sharing and also like it's it felt really amazing to have this like finished product that I could give to people and also um yeah that it's something I feel really passionate about about sharing as well and it goes beyond like it goes beyond food really it's just like this is how you got your life back yeah really I mean it's the whole story of it that that was what was so beautiful I mean I mentioned it before but like the giving yourself permission to figure out what you like doesn't stop at food it's it's literally every aspect of life and the thought of going on a solo travel trip it totally intrigues me, but also scares the shit out of me. And I think that's because I don't know what that feeling is to like be at home and at peace, you know, unless I'm surrounded by my cats and, you know, my fiance and and all these things that, that I've built, you know? Um, but I, I think that's so brave and so cool that, that you discovered that. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's like, and that feeling of like, oh, it's very intriguing and also very terrifying. Like usually a good sign that that would be a fun thing to do. Okay. I'm going to do it. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) So good. (laughs) 
bye guys. See you later. Such a good episode ending. It's like, and then it just ends right there. Yeah. <laughs> She's off. My next picture on Instagram is in Iceland. It's like Katie told me. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I I was so curious though. Um, just while we have you, did you know the whole time that you wanted the book to be like your handwriting, your pictures, or did you ever type it and, and think about doing it that way? I've never read a book that's in someone's handwriting, the whole thing. Yes. Um, I, when I realized that that's what I wanted to do, I was like, oh, duh. Like that's how I, that's how I communicate. That's how I would do it. But I did type out the outline at first. I thought, cause I, I sort of had little like snarky diet culture cartoons that I was like oh it'd be fun to put these in a book and like maybe write a little essay with each one that's what I was thinking and then I was like wait no I just want to write the whole thing like I want to yeah it felt more um there was like this time geez I should look up what this book series was called but when I was growing up I loved these books they looked like composition notebooks but it was like someone had written their diary in it and it's like, I feel like, a, like Amanda or something. I don't remember what the name was of this, this, like it's a kid's book. Um, and I just like loved, I was like so drawn into that. And I loved that style and it was, and, um, it didn't really occur to me until after I wrote the book that I was like, Oh, I think I, I was like very influenced by that and how much I love that. I'm Amanda. I'm Amanda. I'm Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. So what's filling your time now? What do you, what do you want to do next? I guess someone asked me that recently. I was like, I think I need to start a revolution. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I got my boots on. We're good to go. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. Let's put your, (laughs) put your revolution pants on and let's go. Um, yeah, I feel, I don't, I don't, I can't tell you what specifically it is. I know that I feel called to work with people in this way. Like I do, I do work with people one-on-one sometimes. It's just like, I don't really advertise that. I just kind of, you know, we'll do intuitive coaching or like kind of like a life coaching energy healing session type thing with people. And I love that. And I love, you know, I love helping people get into this juicy, the real, the real ass part of themselves and helping that that part of themselves come into like the forefront basically because we're never going to get it's not about getting rid of our ego it's not about getting rid of the little eye it's just like recognizing we're also the big eye and so yeah I just know that that feels like a very important part of my my purpose and my work but yeah I don't have a specific way that I'm doing it other than open to see how it unfolds sounds like totally yeah We'll look out for Katie's next book, yeah. The Serial Killer Revolution. Yes. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Where can people pick up Fed Up and where can people find you? Great. People can pick it up at thefedupbook.com or on Amazon. If you find it on Amazon, please leave a review. Or even if you don't, reviews are so good. <laughs> I'm new to asking for them. Um, although, and um, you can also find me on Instagram at the fed up book. So I'm happy to, and reach out. I love connecting with people. So yeah. This has been great, Katie. Thank you so much. I I will recommend this to so many people. It's, it's been a game changer. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. Thank you.
Thank you so much. And come by anytime. We love talking with you. It was great. I would love to come back. This was like the most fun ever. <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. We love hearing that. <laughs> Aww. Aww. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at have the combo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon. <laughs>